Welcome to the Nourished Woman podcast, hosted by yours truly, Gabby Worsrink, holistic nutritionist and passionate women's health educator. Together on this podcast, we are going to open up the conversation around hormones, holistic healing, relationships, self-development, and everything in between, so you can feel empowered, educated, and ready to take your health and life into your own hands. Hi, everybody. Welcome back to the podcast. I hope you had a good weekend. We are having some really beautiful weather this weekend. Yesterday was pretty cold, but today, sorry if you can hear my dogs barking, uh, today is like spring weather. The sun is out. It was supposed to be like really windy today and bad weather, but it's sunny out. Everything's melting, which is good and bad. We had to spend the whole morning. I have a huge blister on my hand, um, but we had to spend the whole morning scraping the garage slash barn because water had leaked in through the winter and froze. So we had literally a layer of ice. So we had to scrape it all, move everything, basically push all of this ice and slush and water like out into the driveway because the way it's graded, we have to get it fixed this year. It's all sloping into the garage. So it's really fun. Um, but anyways, it was kind of nice though to be outside. I could wear a sweater and rain boots and I wasn't freezing and the sun is out and it's just so nice. So I'm feeling hopeful for spring weather coming soon. Um, but yeah, I hope you enjoyed the weekend and able to spend some time outside with friends and family. We just started watching 1883 last night. For those that don't watch Yellowstone, it is like a prequel. So it's giving like family history. It's John Dutton's great, great grandfather, Tim McGraw. I'm pretty sure that's who Tim McGraw is. Great, great grandfather. But it just shows their family of how they went from Texas and then settled in Montana and started that whole ranch so I'm excited to go into it. I've heard from mixed reviews. I've heard that it's boring because it's like a Western and all that kind of stuff. Um, but I think I will like it because I like old stuff and I love like pioneer days and that, all that kind of stuff. So anyways, that's what we are watching right now. We also finished Euphoria. We binged it in a week. So my friend Courtney told me to start watching it on a Sunday. We had a FaceTime and I binged the whole first and second season up into the last episode that week. And then we watched the finale, like the day that it came out. And that show I found was really good. It was a little bit like, it was, it was pretty dark at times and it was pretty emotional. Um, especially if you've lost a parent or especially a father, um, because that's Rue's whole story is she's a drug addict and going through obviously mental illness. She lost her father. Um, and yeah, so it's, I found that it was a little bit tough at times, but that was a really great show. And yeah, that's what we're kind of watching right now. And then books that I'm reading, I've been flying through books because it's been like one of the only things I've been doing besides working, going outside, doing regular housework and all that kind of stuff. So I've been reading Highway of Tears, which is, I was actually inspired to read this book because of Yellowstone, because they have a really great emphasis. They really show a lot of the racism that happens with indigenous communities and a lot of the injustices that happen on the reserve and how girls go missing and there's just no effort, there's no resources, there's no money put towards finding these girls and women who are kidnapped, raped, and murdered and just kind of left. And then the families literally have no answers and no, you know, peace. So this is a book about that highway that runs through BC that is you know, famous in a, in a bad way for all these missing girls and murdered girls. So I'm starting to read that. It's a little bit heavy, but I've been reading it here and there. I'm also reading The Last Child in the Wood, which is about nature deficit disorder and how we need to get back to nature because it's something that's really affecting our health, which I think, I mean, I talk about going in nature and going on walks all the time and gardening and getting your hands in the soil. So 
I'm loving that book. I just read Nutrition and Mental Illness by Carl Pfeiffer. And then I also read The Calcium Lie 2 by Robert Thompson and Kathleen Barnes. And those were really great books. They're from the 70s or 80s, but they have some really great concepts that still obviously are like the foundations of nutrition and a lot of concepts that I've been learning more about that is kind of like helping bring everything together. A lot of uh, talk about whole food vitamins and, you know, uh, hypothyroidism and all that kind of stuff and minerals, especially minerals. So I'm really enjoying those books. Um, If you have any book recommendations or if you have any shows you're loving, let me know on Instagram. I would love to hear. I'm always asking for book recommendations and show recommendations. So maybe I'll do a little like sticker and you guys can put your recommendations in and we can kind of have a big um, resource there. Anyways, I'm going to dive into today's episode before I ramble on, but I thought it'd be kind of fun just to share what I've been reading and watching lately. So today we're going to talk about phytoestrogens and this is honestly a really not, I mean, it is controversial, I think, because we've been so misled. And as you'll notice, a lot of my podcast episodes are going to be kind of like debunking myths or sharing what I've had to unlearn and relearn. So um, yeah, we're going to get started with that. So estrogen, phytoestrogens, I should say, um, are something that we in the wellness community, I mean, when I was in school, this was something that was shared widely and that was promoted as safe and healthy and that you need to do. Um, but phytoestrogens were essentially, I was taught they were plants and they act like estrogen in the body, but they're a much weaker version than the natural estrogen that we make. But nonetheless, they actually are still contributing to our estrogen load. So what I was taught in school and what they kind of justified it as a reason of it being safe was that these weaker estrogens will actually dock onto your estrogen receptors so that the stronger estrogens, which may be your naturally made estrogens or ones from the environment that we're exposed to, they won't dock on there and they won't cause us issues. However, I'm learning a lot more about estrogen accumulation and poor estrogen detoxification and how we can get that estrogen dominance, not necessarily from the ones that are you know, docking on those receptors and showing up in our blood tests, but it's actually being stored in our tissues. So it's actually adding to our estrogen load. And that's a huge, huge issue and something that I've had to, like, it literally just like rocked my whole world and changed everything of how I looked at health because I used to promote seed cycling. I used to promote, you know, eating lots of cruciferous vegetables and eating a lot of seeds and legumes and going dairy-free, which involves, you know, replacing a lot of your dairy or other foods, um, or going gluten-free involves replacing those major food groups or food sources with ground-up nuts and seeds, or, you know, nuts and seeds that are turned into cheeses or milks, things like that. So I was getting a huge, huge amount and, like, a crazy, you know, source of this in my diet because it was replacing major things as like a lot of other people. Also, sorry if you can hear, I don't know if you'll be able to hear trucks and stuff that go by. Our street's pretty quiet, but I have my window open because it's so nice out. Anyways, so phytoestrogens, I've already kind of gave a little lowdown. They're weaker, but they still, you know, add to our estrogen load and they're still utilized in the body. So even if they're weaker, it does not mean that they don't affect us. And uh, a little history, phytoestrogens were actually first observed in 1926, but it wasn't until the 40s and 50s that they started to kind of look at like, okay, how do these affect the body? Um, are they okay? There was one study that showed that they observed sheep gra- grazing on clover and red clover had temporary adverse effects to the sheep's fertility. 
Now, I don't know a whole lot about this, and it's not a herb that I'm super familiar with, but I do know that red clover has been included in a lot of different women's blends or fertility blends, hormone blends, and I've never used it personally, but it has been promoted for that, and that's just something to think about if that was observed. Obviously, with sheep, you know, I always look at, like, animals are very similar to humans in the sense that if there's something bad happening to an animal from a certain substance, I would definitely question whether humans should be consuming it as well especially if it's something that we don't need in our diets exactly like you don't need that you'll be fine without red clover now continuing that time period after the war uh, flax was originally used as clothing fiber it's also used for a lot of industrial purposes like greasing machinery in the war also was used to make oil paint inks and even varnishes which is really crazy to hear that after you're like, I've been eating this food <laughs> or food in quotes. Um, so after the war, they didn't need as much of these, you know, these sources of oils to grease machinery. So they had to find different ways to use it. Um, one of the ways was, you know, in oil paints, things like that, but it also was in the health craze, health realm. They wanted to find out how they could use it. And so they pushed it in the alternative health world as a nourishing fat and a source of fiber, source of omega-3s and all that kind of stuff. Um, and, you know, eventually phytoestrogens, which was promoted as being, you know, helping balance out your estrogen, which now as I'm learning more information, it's just adding to our estrogen load. If we have an estrogen problem or progesterone problem, adding in more these hormones is not going to help, even if they are a lot um, less, they're not as strong as our natural estrogen, it's still a source of estrogen. So I've actually got some really awesome charts to show you because I was super misled about the hormones in our meat and dairy. So another reason why I went dairy-free was because everyone's like, oh, the hormones in it, there's so much estrogen, there's so much hormones, it's going to add to your hormone issues and your acne and all that sort of stuff. So I went along with that, didn't really investigate it myself because I thought, oh, it makes sense, you know, the, the pregnant, you know, cow is giving you milk and there's gonna be hormones in the milk but um, I've got a really great graph that I've shared on Instagram and also in the GB collective membership but it shows the amount of estrogen in adolescent girls pregnant women birth control pills soy milk and a bunch of different foods as well as steak and whole milk so the average adolescent girl has about 93,000 uh, nanograms of estrogen daily produced pregnant women it's 3.4 million which is insane. Birth control pills, about 20,000 to 50,000 nanograms per pill. So as you can imagine, it's a lot that you're consuming if you're taking that, um, you know, 21 days out of your month. Uh, soy milk has 30,000 nanograms, which again are phytoestrogens, so they're not going to be as strong as, for example, birth control pills, but it's still a really high amount, especially like that's only for eight ounces. So if you're getting soy in a lot of different ways, like from tofu, soy milk, you know, soy creamers, um, soy sauce, like all that different stuff. There's going to be a lot of different ways to get that in. A lot of packaged foods as well use soy in there. So there's so many different ways you can be getting that in your diet and not even realizing. So it can really add up. Wheat germ, 3,400 nanograms. Eggs, 2,600. Cabbage, 2,016. Ice cream, 520. Potato, 225. Steak, 1.9. And whole milk, eight ounces of whole milk, 0.3 to 1.9. And skim milk is only 0.1 to 0.7. So as you can see, the amount of estrogen in milk and a steak is not even close to the amount that's in, you know, these other foods, a lot of plant-based foods. Um, so it's pretty wild 
to think that, you know, we were kind of misled about the hormones in meat and dairy. Meanwhile, we're consuming all these other foods that are very estrogenic and really going to add to our loads. So that was just one of the graphs that I had. Um, but it took a lot of unlearning for me to realize that these seeds were causing a lot of damage to my body, just in the aspect of the estrogen, but also in the other aspect of being a polyunsaturated fatty acid and just the way that they're designed. So seeds have a very protective design to them. They are built or designed, I guess, specifically to be difficult to digest. They have a seed, they have that kind of capsule around them to make it hard to digest. So it's going to help um, promote, you know, irritated gut linings because it's really hard to digest. It's going to inhibit a lot of absorption of certain minerals and nutrients, which is really crucial, can leave you with deficiencies. Um, and again, just really add to your gut issues. So, you know, if you're taking a lot of these seeds and nuts and eating them, and then you're reacting to a lot of other foods like dairy or gluten, or if it might be meat, you're even having trouble digesting, you have to really look at what am I eating that's, you know, affecting my gut health. You know, it could, may not be the dairy, but it could be I'm eating all these, you know, irritating foods that are hard to digest that are really affecting my gut as well as the PUFAs the polyunsaturated fatty acids that they contain um, these fats were originally used in agriculture to fatten up livestock with um, so they but they weren't you know consuming more food so it really fattened them up the seeds are anti-metabolic and pro-inflammatory like I said about the gut so it really suppresses your thyroid function which is you know your cornerstone of your metabolic health so it's going to slow your metabolic health and it's going to raise um, the weight gain and fatten them up without more food. So that's, I mean, it's smart for farming if you're trying to make a lot of money and save money and cut corners. But for human health, that's a huge red flag. They are also really susceptible to damage from heat or light, which is called oxidation. And this damages all of our cells and especially our skin, which makes us more susceptible to damage from the sun because if your main consumption is from these PUFAs, these polyunsaturated fatty acids from vegetable oil, canola oil, flax seeds, flax oil, all that kind of stuff, that means that that's what your skin and your cells are all gonna be made up of. And if they are more susceptible to heat or light, when you go out in the sun, you're going to burn more and you're going to be more susceptible to skin cancers and things like that. So I know that was probably a lot of information just thrown at you. So feel free to pause and take time if you need to. But that is just kind of a lowdown on nuts and seeds and these phytoestrogens that are also PUFAs and how they can really wreak havoc with our health. And again, like I, this really changed my whole life. I, I, my eyes were open to this from Jessica Ash Wellness on Instagram. She's a practitioner that I find is really paving the way. It's really, she's making a lot of us question what we were taught and what we've been, you know, led to believe about health and wellness and nutrition. And I absolutely love what she shares. So she opened my eyes about this a while ago and I've just kind of been like slowly digesting this and learning more and, and doing my own research as well. And I just really resonate with it and I realize that like since I've stopped pounding back the nuts and seeds, my health has improved. I'm able to have dairy and I overall actually am seeing like a lot bigger improvements in my health, not just like I feel like I was kind of plateaued at a certain spot where it was like I, I was feeling a bit better, but I wasn't seeing the big improvements that I wanted to as well as with a lot of clients I've seen too that have made those changes have really felt a lot better. 
Anyways, I've also got some great graphs too that show a lot of chemicals or phytoestrogens in our environments that are also going to affect our estrogen levels um, or estrogen receptors in the body as well and add to our load. So a lot of them are just chemicals. They could be pesticides, they could be plastics, they could be things that are used in processing and foods and um, packaging and things like that. Uh, Contraceptives, like I said, there's a lot in uh, single birth control pill. The plan B pill basically has like a whole pack of estrogen pills, like one month of birth control in the one or two pills that you take. So that's a crazy amount of estrogen. So it's really important to be aware of what is in these things and how strong and potent they are, as well as a lot of phytoestrogen plants. Um, I can list out a few that are really strong. So obviously soy, um, red clover, alfalfa, flax, vegetable oils, I've heard mixed things about cannabis, about marijuana. I don't really, I haven't done a lot of research into that, but it does have estrogen like, um, you know, phytoestrogens in there. So something to think about, especially if you are smoking a lot of weed or consuming a lot of weed um, might be worth looking into. Another big one that was really shocking for me was cruciferous cruciferous vegetables like broccoli, cauliflower, and dim. Those are... Probably one of the biggest things that I had to like, wow, oh my gosh, what are we doing? You know, reflect on like what I've been promoting and what I've been doing myself and what I was learning from school and from a lot of other hormone health practitioners that I was looking up to was that these vegetables are actually really, really hard to digest and they're a source of phytoestrogens, like I said. So it's just adding to your estrogen load and not getting to the root of the issue of why we are not properly eliminating estrogen and using estrogen. Another person I wanted to direct you guys to and to, so you can do your own research or you can look further into it, but I have it again in um, the GB Collective. I've got some photos, but they were thermography scans of breasts. And this was from this practitioner, Wendy Sellens. She is a breast thermologist, a thermography and hormone researcher and Chinese medical doctor. And she has done a lot of research into specific phytoestrogens and how they have affected breast health. And she really has some great images that show um, the vascularity in um, people's breasts when they take certain things. So she has a few different images, ones with black coho. She has ones with flax. She has ones with soy. And I just found them to be pretty crazy to see like normal breasts that don't consume these things, not vascularized. And the ones that are taking, you know, bioidentical hormone replacement therapy or they're having a lot of soy or they're having the red clover for a few months or they're taking flax for six months you can see how it changes the vascularity of the breast and how that is not healthy or normal and can actually increase our risk of breast cancer um so you know just from a daily standpoint of okay i want to get rid of my estrogen issues i want to feel better i don't want to have mood swings i don't want to have you know heavy periods i don't want to have terrible sleep and all that sort of stuff it it goes to the point of it's as serious as looking at your risk of breast cancer too, about how these things can accumulate and how these things can um, add to it. So that is really interesting to look at. Again, I'm not telling people to you know remove things completely from your diet or completely change your life, but it's worth looking at and looking at, okay, is are these things actually helping me get to the root of the issue or are they just kind of like Band-Aid wellness holistic things that have been kind of thrown at us like the pharmaceutical industry in the sense that they're not getting to the root of it it's just dealing with the symptoms um, and not you know actually addressing the issues down there um but anyway so i really liked her stuff uh 
when she public sorry when she went to publish her first book in 2010 she was contacted um sorry she contacted every flax company and she was requesting evidence that flax was beneficial for breast health and not one company could submit any proof that flax benefited breast health that's kind of i mean the proof's in the pudding right there right with not actually getting it from these companies that you think they'd want to promote and push flax and have you know info to back it up because they're selling it um so anyways that was pretty crazy to me so i will have all of that linked down below so there's some really great info just to look at it for yourself and think about it um and i know i've done another podcast a few podcasts back about dim and how these dim and adrenal supplements won't help you and won't save you um dim is another one of those cruciferous vegetables it's, it's a compound in cruciferous vegetables and i've talked i'm going to talk about this next week with uh, vitamin C and ascorbic acid, but when you take these isolated compounds that come from a natural whole food source, it can cause a lot of imbalances and issues. But again, if it's a phytoestrogen, it's going to add to your estrogen load. Um, but it's a band-aid approach and it's the wrong approach. It is not forcing you to ask why this is happening. It's making you just kind of throw something on it again like a pharmaceutical deal with the symptom but not deal with the actual root cause of the issue and if you don't deal with the root cause of the issue down the road you're going to be at an increased risk for breast cancer and other estrogenic cancers so it's so important that we address these issues now not only for your you know your health right now like making sure you have better cycles better sleep better stress better mood all that kind of stuff but so you you know, reduce your risk of these cancers down the road because cancer is extremely rampant and a lot of people are not taking the time to reflect and look at, okay, where are these risks coming from? What is contributing? What's adding to our load? And what has been kind of the biggest push in the health world that has maybe been misleading us, you know? So that is what I wanted to share. Um, And obviously I don't want to be fear-mongering with this, but I want to just share this information because it has changed my life. I just wanted to interrupt to remind you that March is the last month to get the special listener price of $9.99 per month or $99.99 per year for the membership. You can lock those prices in. You have them for a lifetime and you also get a free three-day trial to check it out first. This will be the cheapest that it will ever be. So if you want to check it out, feel free to do so. You can lock in those prices and cancel at any time. And it has made me rethink the whole wellness world and how we approach health and what we're consuming daily and what we are pushing and sort of what we're forcing on ourselves. Cause I mean, I don't know about you, but I was not a fan of flax and chia pudding and all that kind of stuff and eating a ton of cruciferous vegetables. Like I'm so much happier not consuming them and I'm still healthy. I'm actually a lot healthier without consuming them. And I always thought that I had to consume these things to be the picture of health. And it's not, it's not true at all. So I want to leave you off on a positive note though. So you don't feel like, Oh my God, what do I do? my whole life is a lie or I don't know what to do without these foods or how to support my body. Um, But you want to really support estrogen elimination and estrogen detoxification. So a lot of times, um, you know, you might think estrogen is not a problem for you, but if you are experiencing PMS, mood swings, clotty periods, heavy periods, um, trouble sleeping before your period comes in your luteal phase, you could have a low estrogen on a blood test or regular estrogen on a blood test, but you could actually be storing the estrogen in your tissues. And if you have high stress and low progesterone, your estrogen is not going to be moving because you need your progesterone and you need your metabolism, your thyroid to be functioning optimally in order to get that estrogen moving and mobilized through the body. And another thing to think about when it comes back to DIM and cruciferous vegetables and all these things, they are goitrogens, they are anti-thyroid and they're anti-metabolic. So 
again, it's going to contribute and just make the problem worse instead of getting to the root of it of why is your metabolism not functioning? Why are things not eliminating? How come your progesterone is low or how come your estrogen is being stored and not mobilized out of the body? So things that we can do. So there is phase one and phase two of detoxification. And the problem with DIM is that DIM is going to help with these certain phases of your detoxification. But if you don't have all the other things moving properly, like if you have DIM that's helping, you know, process that estrogen, dump it into your gut. But if your gut is not moving, if you're not pooping every single day, you're going to reabsorb that estrogen. It's going to just contribute to the problem. So you have to get approach this from a full holistic approach, looking at the process, looking at, okay, are we mobilizing it? Are we packaging it up properly? Are we breaking it down? Are we going to actually eliminate it properly? So for phase one, you need a lot of different nutrients, but some great foods to include for this would be oysters, coconut water, magnesium. I like to use magnesium balm, um, citrus, chlorophyll, desiccated liver or fresh liver, chicken or beef, um, root vegetables, And then phase two, you need eggs, broth or gelatin, a lot of amino acids for this, shrimp, scallops, beef, basically getting in a variety of protein sources will be really beneficial for this phase to help support that because you need a lot of amino acids. And then for bioflow, because estrogen and toxins get packaged up, they get um, from your liver, they get put into your bile, which then goes into your gut to help with breaking down fats, but it also is going to have all of those things in there. So you want to make sure your bile is flowing. So bitters is really great. Uh, dandelion root tea, radishes. If you have your gallbladder removed, an ox bile supplement could be beneficial for that. Or if you're having gallbladder issues to help support that. Um, and then you want to have fibers that are going to help bind to things and help you eliminate through your poop. So the raw carrot salad's really great for that. Mushrooms, really like any cooked vegetable that's cooked well, um, is going to really help with the raw carrot salad. You want to make sure that that is raw and then pooping. You want to make sure you're eliminating properly. So don't be sucked into the whole fiber and water thing. If you're not pooping, add more fiber and water in that's just not going to help at all. If you're not pooping, you need to support the metabolism. You also need to help lubricate the system. So adding in some good quality fats like butter, coconut oil, um, magnesium can be really good too, to help relax the bowels. Aloe vera can also be really gentle and help kind of get things going. And then getting in movement too, not being sedentary. I find if you move your body, that helps kind of get things moving too. Um, but really it comes back to supporting the metabolism, making sure that you're eating enough food to actually nourish and give energy to your digestive system, eating every few hours, having breakfast upon waking and meals and snacks spaced throughout the day is going to be really important. Um, But if you want more information, if you want the in-depth blog, and if you want more information, go into the GB Collective. We have a free three-day trial and I've got all the resources in there. So you can see the thermography scans, you can see all the different charts and I have tons of links and sources. So if you want to dive into more research on your own, it's all in there. Um, But I hope you enjoyed this episode. I really wanted to kind of debunk a lot of estrogen myths and estrogen thoughts. And again, we're going to have lots of other posts on the GB Collective Instagram and in the membership. So if you want to check it out, and learn more, feel free to do so. I hope you enjoyed this episode. If you have any questions or requests, feel free to email me or message me on Instagram. I'm always available. And I hope you have a great rest of your morning, afternoon, evening, and whenever you're listening to this. And we'll see you next week for another episode.